Single-mindedness. Challenges of getting over drowsiness and scattered thoughts during a seven-day retreat. The difficulty of cultivation depends on one's good roots. The time for our seven-day retreat has gradually passed. Of course, among us, those with profound blessings and good roots must have improved and felt the joy of Dharma day by day. On the contrary, there are some people who felt okay for the first two or three days, but gradually found it more and more challenging after that. On the sixth and seventh days it came to the point where they found it difficult to propel themselves further in this retreat. Speaking from the secular or transcendental perspective, this makes sense. For instance, it is like traveling for a long journey on foot. Healthier people will find it easier on the first or second days, and might even feel their steps getting lighter and quicker henceforth. Even for healthy individuals who focus on physical training on a daily basis, they, of course, find it natural to walk for many hours. However, for unhealthy people, although they are capable of getting through the first day, it starts to get tougher and tougher from the second day onward. Buddhist cultivation, one's good roots, and karma are interrelated. For instance, if you had not planted deep good roots in your past lives and instead created negative karma, it would definitely be very challenging for you to survive a seven-day retreat. However, if your good roots are well-founded with fewer karmic hindrances and diligent daily practices, the seven-day retreat will be like a breeze. Here we can see that people differ in their past causes, capacities, and conditions. Therefore, such individual differences will contribute to one's attainment, results, and benefits in this lifetime. As an old saying goes, cows turn their water intake into milk, whereas snakes turn their water intake into venom. From this saying, both the cows and snakes drink water, but due to their different capacities, the resulting effects differ. It would be wonderful if everything went smoothly and if everything went better than expected. This should be attributed to the good work in your previous life. However, if everything is far from ideal right now, one has to cultivate more. This is a question of causality, skills, and endeavor. Do not be hasty. As long as you bring forth utmost sincerity to work hard in your cultivation, even if you do not have a perfect start, you will reach your goal eventually. Those who cultivate well started out from hard work and the planting of good causes and conditions. Things do not come out of the blue. Those of you who feel your efforts do not seem to pay off should never give up. Try to work more diligently. Do not be put off by the little progress you seem to make and become lazy. If you slack off, you will regress in your practice. Drowsiness and scattered minds are the hardest to eliminate. Speaking of cultivation, letting the worldly affairs go and seeing through reality is very difficult. There have been quite a few people with noble character who were able to give up their throne and land and to leave their parents, wives, and children. To a certain extent, such acts are not that difficult for them. 
However, serious effort is required for relinquishment of all attachments and elimination of one's drowsiness and scattered mind is not an easy task either. Only when you truly spend effort in your cultivation will you realize how difficult it is. Otherwise, you won't be able to understand the extent of such difficulty, even if I explain it to you. Here's a metaphor to describe drowsiness and scattered mind during cultivation. Drowsiness and scattered mind are like the undergarments that stay closest to your skin at all times. You put them on first and take them off last. During cultivation, you will either be drowsy or have scattered thoughts. Of course, on the first or second day of the retreat, you may have been immersed in Dharma joy. But later on you may find, oh, I have so many scattered thoughts. You don't normally perceive the scattered thoughts in your mind, and you have always been puzzled by their overwhelming presence when you try to cultivate. The infinite amount of diluted thoughts is like sand and dust around you. When you try to cultivate, your thoughts can be led to anywhere, even the profound memories of playing in a sandbox as a three-year-old child. This is because when your mind is still, the light can easily shine through. The tranquility will unfold your wisdom. This is a sign of your emerging wisdom. In your daily life, all sorts of mundane chores have preoccupied your consciousness, so you are unable to sense that your thoughts have been scattered. It does not mean that you have no such scattered thoughts at home, nor that you only come to have scattered thoughts when you are at Lingyan Mountain Temple. You who are coming to the Lingyan Mountain Temple have obtained wisdom and been blessed by the light of the Buddha. Now if you can see and really experience what I have said above, this is all due to the benefits of your cultivation at the temple. By staying away from the secular world, you have developed wisdom. Otherwise, what would you achieve if you stayed home? How would you be able to detect your deluded thoughts, afflictions, and drowsiness? You will have to continue training yourselves. Your real accomplishment depends entirely on the time and effort that you have spent. How can you be enlightened without spending time in practice? How can you be enlightened without spending time in practicing and cultivating? All of you are here to cultivate for seven days. Of course, it takes more than one or two seven-day retreats to become focused in your practice. You have to keep planting your good roots. Only by doing so can you sever yourselves from the suffering in this world and to experience the true happiness of purity and tranquility. Being still in the eight winds of emotions is single-mindedness. You have to be able to endure hardships in order to become concentrated in your practice. Remember, don't give up in the face of the slightest difficulty, or else you will never be able to liberate yourself from this world of sufferings. If you are in fear of pain, you will never be able to work diligently. Diligence requires the spirit of fearlessness and courage. Only when you are undaunted by hardships and break through the challenges can you become skilled in your cultivation. Similarly, for secular matters, how do you achieve your goal if you give up in the face of difficulties? How can you attain knowledge? 
How can you make your career successful and your family prosperous? Drowsiness can obstruct not only cultivation, but also secular affairs. Drowsiness and scattered mind could obstruct cultivation. However, the worst obstacle is aversion and attachment. Where does this aversion come from? Who or what has given rise to such distractions? The answer is nothing. Thoughts of hatred, greed, and attachment all arise from your own mind. These two obstructions are fundamental afflictions. You would be a sage if you could sever yourself from such emotions. If you have not become a sage, then you remain a mundane being, and hence you need wisdom to free yourself from these shackles. Recite the Buddha's name, prostrate to the Buddha, and cultivate good deeds more frequently to accumulate more merits and virtues. By doing so, you can eradicate your fundamental afflictions and karmic obstructions from your infinite past. You won't even be aware of these challenges unless you cultivate diligently. Some people feel tranquil and peaceful when they practice. However, such tranquility and peace does not mean that they are truly free from the obstructions of aversion and attachment. In order to purify muddied water, you have to get rid of the sediments. With the sediments removed, no matter how you stir the water, it will remain clean and pure. On the contrary, if the sediments remain, the water will turn cloudy at the slightest disturbance. Therefore, we need to aim for single-mindedness while chanting the Buddha's name in our cultivation. When you are not faced with distractions, you feel that your mind is as if you have reached the single-mindedness. But this isn't really the case. As practitioners in the past have explained, it is like covering the grass with a boulder. Once the stone is removed, the grass will continue to grow as the root of the grass is still there. Speaking of cultivation, all of us cultivate single-mindedness in our daily practice. Once you have reached the state of single-mindedness, the environment of senses will no longer bother you. What is this environment of senses? This is where you find temptations and the five desires. With single-mindedness, you will remain unaffected and be free from cravings and attachment. For example, if people deliberately irritate you, or if you live in adverse weather conditions, your mind will not be affected by these external circumstances. You will remain calm when things go against your wishes. Once you achieve single-mindedness, you will have reached the state of being still in the eight winds, as previously mentioned. The ease of being, despite all favorable or adverse conditions, is what we refer to as single-mindedness, which is not achievable by being only physically still or when our mind temporarily goes blank. How can you achieve single-mindedness without being first able to distinguish these distinct levels? Staying away from deviant thoughts by having the right view. The single-mindedness and freedom from emotional turmoil mentioned in the Amitabha Sutra refers to both phenomenal and noumenal single-mindedness. If you can stay unperturbed by killing, stealing, and sexual conduct with phenomenal single-mindedness, then you have attained the level of Arhat. 
However, if you have not experienced this stillness from these temptations, you thoroughly remain a mundane being. If you are still subjected to the vexations of aversion and attachment, all these different states that you think you have experienced in your cultivation are illusions. Have the right wisdom in this regard, and be cautious. Here I offer you this mirror to reflect the true nature of everything. Patriarch Ingwang clearly explained that the state of true single-mindedness is like a clean and dust-free mirror, which reflects everything as it is. However, this is only a reflection. The mirror itself remains intact and free from contamination. It does not crave for favorable or detest unfavorable conditions. Meanwhile, the mind of a mundane being is like a mirror covered by dust, or the greasy glass in a kitchen. How can light or anything at all be reflected from this soiled mirror or glass? If things can be reflected from this glass, this is not true light, but light created by sorcery. Nowadays there have been a lot of Buddhist practitioners who have learned from deviant sources somewhere else and sadly they only choose to hear from the wrong sources. They fail to remember the true advice. Instead they have false views branded into their minds. They have stepped onto the wrong paths and cultivated these deviant views. Cultivation along such paths will only lead them astray. Hence it is of utmost importance to cultivate according to the right view in Buddhism. How can we acquire the ability to see things like a clear mirror? You have to remain free and at ease to overcome the five desires without being allured. Failing to overcome the five desires means that you can easily be lured onto deviant paths. How then could you claim to be skilled in your cultivation? It takes mundane single-mindedness to complete a seven-day retreat. It takes mundane single-mindedness to complete a seven-day retreat. The one who achieves phenomenal single-mindedness remains unaffected by deluded views and thoughts. On the other hand, the noumenal single-mindedness is achieved with prajna wisdom, knowing that all phenomena are without substance and remaining unperturbed by these illusory phenomena. What is the single-mindedness that is achievable by us mundane beings? The answer is this. You need to have at least mundane single-mindedness or else you will never cultivate well despite all efforts. For example, consider a situation where you have decided to join the seven-day retreat. After all the necessary arrangements have been made, a wonderful business opportunity opens up. So you decide not to join the seven-day retreat. This is an act which lacks single-mindedness. Single-mindedness in this case would manifest along the lines of, I have already decided to join the seven-day retreat. Neither friends from calls and family nor great ventures for great profit could stop me. Here's another example. An elderly lady has just received the news of the birth of her grandchild. She achieves mundane single-mindedness by not being distracted by such news and remaining steady in the seven-day retreat. Such single-mindedness is within your reach. Single-mindedness can be achieved by being unmoved by emotions once you have made up your mind to join the seven-day retreat. 
If you fail to reach this single-mindedness, how can you further advance in your cultivation? With that single-mindedness, you come to the Lingyan Mountain Temple. Of course, there are often things that fail to go according to your wishes, and you become upset. In fact, you are often upset by your mind and by external factors even more frequently. When you ask for everything to go according to your wishes, you ask for the impossible, and that is the root of your vexations and deluded thoughts. Stop complaining about mishaps. Instead of asking for nonsense and hoping that circumstances go particularly towards your wish, learn to accept the circumstances as they are. This way you will find contentment. Everyone has different wishes, so no one can be completely pleased and happy. Please learn to be calm and tranquil, otherwise your cultivation will be going nowhere. It is because you keep thinking about secular, mundane matters that you forget to be mindful of the Buddha. Having understood all of this, you have to bear these teachings in mind. Get rid of the bad thoughts. Improve even further on the right thoughts. Bring forth your Bodhi mind. Even if there is only a single condition that is in discord, it poses a hindrance to your cultivation. While good causes are important, conditions are even more so. We need to be calm and try to find or create good conditions so that our efforts of cultivation will blossom and bear fruit. Finally, I wish all of you the best in your cultivation so that we can all be reborn in the western pure land of ultimate bliss.